Mana 3 Media. My name is Steve Bowman, and in this podcast, I'm going to try to distill the knowledge I've acquired as a professional musician over the last 30 years into a series of episodes that I hope might help a striving player save time, money, or pain from their journey. Little letters from me to you about what I saw, what I did, and what I could have done better. This is Letters to an Aspiring Musician. Hi there, my name is Steve Bowman, and this is Letters to an Aspiring Musician. I am coming to you from Murfreesboro Music Lab, which is a studio I have in beautiful Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm here with my son, Ben, who is a 22-year-old aspiring musician himself. That I am. <laughs> that he is. Um, I was going to call Ben my silent partner because he doesn't have a mic, but this mic is picking up everything in the room, so I think it's going to be fine. There's going to be cars driving past and people cutting down a tree outside. And the cat, Jean, my beautiful cat, is running around here too. So she'll chime in from time to time as well. Anyway, I'm excited to finally get started with this. This originally began as a book idea. I had this uh, feeling that maybe writing a book was going to be the next phase of my career in music. I've been doing so many different things. And I have all this information and and thought, wow, if I could get this to young, aspiring musicians, that would really help people. And I met with a, a book marketer down here in Murfreesboro. We had a great lunch and he convinced me that what I really needed to do was a podcast, which I fought at first because I'm not great with technology. Uh, but I'm glad to have Ben here uh, plugging things in and pressing buttons. And uh, I have a producer that I'm working with. And so between all these people, I think it's going to work. Um, what I want to do is do these 10 different episodes. And I have them all lined up. And basically, take a person who is interested in being in the music business and tell them what I saw and experienced in every facet I can think of. So I organized this into chapters, which will now just be um, podcast episodes. So are you an aspiring musician? Because if you are, I think this will really help some folks and maybe a lot, you know, but maybe it'll help some people a little. And, and you know, I know it would have helped me um, when I was at a certain point in my career. I'm going to rewind a little and kind of tell you um, the point I was at when this would have helped me the most. Um, I should start by saying I had a great advantage of of starting very young. I was fascinated by drums, you know, before uh, I could even uh, understand what drumming was, what a drummer was. I saw sparkles and noise and whatever that thing was. I really loved it. I got drumsticks when I was five. And I loved it. I, it's all I wanted to do. I just banged on everything with these drumsticks. And what happened was I had, you know, my hands were pretty, it was pretty natural for me. You know, not everybody uh, uh, picks up drumsticks and it comes naturally. Some people have to work a little harder. Some people it's really hard. But for me, for whatever reason, my Uncle Ron showed me how to do a paradiddle. And I figured it out easily and it got faster. And then 
Suddenly I had this thing that I could do and adults would say, wow, you know, okay. So I think a lot of what fueled my early interest in drumming, besides drums themselves and playing and and, uh, was really the fact that it gave me ego gratification very early, uh, which was a blessing and a curse. And we'll get to all that. But the main thing was I did that. Uh, I played. I uh, got a drum set in third grade. I had very supportive parents as well. And through no credit to me, uh, my parents were uh, uh, had a little downstairs room. My brother, my twin brother played bass. These are all the crazy advantages that I mean... <laughs> I can't take credit for any of that, uh, but it was a, a wonderful push forward at a young age. So I played a lot and played to records, and my brother and I had a band with local guys, and, and we just did a ton of stuff. And what happened was I finally ended up getting my first music job when I was about, what, 18, 19, and I started working at a theme park, and we were doing six shows a day, six days a week. And it was like $8 an hour. It was like a hard job. It was a lot of work, but I was playing music and that was great. And the only bummer was then I would get home at night to my original band and they'd been working in coffee shops and warehouses all day. They couldn't wait to play music. And I was like, oh man, I'm so tired of, you know, I had blisters and I was like tired. And so I eventually had to get out of that. And while I was there, though, one of the things that that I noticed, Great America was this theme park and it had a big amphitheater. And so they would have national touring acts come through and play concerts there. And it was such a huge difference from what we were doing inside Theater Royale and the brand new Beats show. You know, it's like these real bands with real players were coming through and I would go to these shows. We, I think we got in for free, but I went to a lot of shows and saw musicians working. And I knew that I was technically a working musician, but you know, I could have made more from a paper route. The thing was, it felt like there was a huge distance between the players I was seeing on stage and what I was doing. And I really had no idea how to get to that level. I wanted to be on the big stage and not, you know, doing the Kings of Comedy showcase or whatever I was doing that day. So that was where I was. And a funny thing happened right around then. Um, I came from the Bay Area, born and raised in Oakland, California. And if you don't know, again, through no credit to me, there's like 50 bands that have come out of a 20 square mile area. The Bay Area has had bands from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and continues. I mean, I could still, I could name 20 bands off the top of my head. Um, influential, huge international bands came around from right where I was living, where I grew up. So I was going to SF State and I was about 20 and I heard that Carlos Santana was looking for a drummer. Now, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Ben. Do you know this story? Exactly. All right, good. Um, the thing about Carlos Santana is that, you know, he's a legend and, and uh, you know, he's, he always has world-class players with him. But I didn't really understand any of that. I just thought, oh, that would be a great gig, you know. And 
I thought, yeah, I could probably pull that off. I had no idea. So I was so full of kind of undue cockiness that I went right down to there, which I will get to. It served me well <laughs> until it didn't. But uh, I went down to Herbie Herbert's management and walked in there and, uh, you know, I said, yeah, I heard uh, Santana's looking for a drummer. I just thought I'd pop, you know, pop by and check it out. I want to introduce myself. Well, I don't know. They they must have been shocked by this, you know, skinny little dude walking in talking about playing with Santana. And they sent a guy out to speak with me. And I remember he said, uh, you know, introduced himself. I introduced myself. He goes, so where are you from? I said, I live in Oakland. He goes, oh, really? Okay. He goes, and he said something like, like, oh, you ever go check out this thing at, uh, at like a, it was like maybe a gospel church or a jam night or something. I'd never heard of it. You know, he's like, yeah, I like Oakland. You ever go check out that thing? I said, no, no, I don't know anything about it. Well, he said, uh, why don't you leave your name and number and we'll call you if we need you. And I said, oh, great, thanks. So I was so dumb. I walked out of there thinking, Santana's going to call me and I'm going to be the next drummer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like, ah. Uh. Well, I know now he was just getting rid of me. And it only took two or three questions before he looked at me and went, oh, okay, later, dude. Um, which makes perfect sense. I would have made an absolute idiot of myself if I'd gone to audition. You know, they, they're talking about like traditional styles of of uh, Mexican uh, rhythms and Spanish rhythm. I, I didn't know any of that, you know. Uh, and so he saved me a lot of embarrassment, really. <laughs> but... Another story that comes to mind that happened right around that time, I'm right. I'm trying to get to the next level. And there was another artist in town that was looking for a drummer. This guy had a song on the radio that I'd heard, and I thought he was pretty cool. And I got his number from a friend who called him up at his house. And he answers the phone. And I said, yeah, I heard you're looking for a drummer. He interrupts me. He goes, you have Harvest Moon? I'm like, uh... Harvest Moon is a Neil Young record that I didn't have. I said, no. He goes, you got blood on the tracks? I'm like, oh, it was a Dylan record that I didn't have. I said, no. Uh, he goes, why don't you get those and call me back? <laughs> Click. <laughs> Hung up. So once again, here I am just like, I have no idea how to start with these people. They won't, you know, they're cutting me off. I don't know what I'm supposed to know or what I'm supposed to say or do or act. You know, I had no idea. Um, what happened then was I ended up uh, getting in this band called the Looters. And uh, the Looters, uh, it was the first band I toured with. I was so thrilled. And, and we, we did this like three weeks up the West Coast and into Canada. And I was on one of the, we were on a boat because we had to go from Seattle to Victoria for one of the shows and you have to take a ferry. So I had my practice pad nerding out up there on the deck, looking at the shore. And, uh, and there was a moose like 50 feet from me, uh, just sitting there drinking on the shore as we went past about 10 miles an hour. I just like, couldn't believe it. It was the first time that I realized I was actually making a living as a musician. I was seeing amazing things I wouldn't have seen from home. I was getting paid that night to to play drums and and it felt amazing. And yet the nagging reality was that I didn't have anything going on at home. 
And when this tour was over, I was like, then what? You know, I mean, how do you get to a point where you're working consistently, making a living, you know? So I had no idea that within, what, two or three years, I would join a band that had a hit record and went right to the top, did all the, you know, big tours and TV shows um, that I'd always watched and dreamed of being on. We toured with the Stones, we're in the cover of Rolling Stone. It was amazing. But then I was fired. So, <laughs> so my career kind of started out with much drama, a big shoot up and then a big smackdown. And, <laughs> and then I uh, worked on that level for a while and we moved to Nashville and I kind of had to start over. Um, I remember, you know, thinking that, you know, Counting Crows, uh, it would allow me to hit the ground running when I got to uh, Nashville. And I found that uh, it wasn't as big a deal here. Uh, people were kind of more infatuated with other, other things when that was happening. So people kept, inter you know, uh, messing it up saying, uh, yeah, hey, if you met this guy, Steve, he, he used to play with the Black Crows. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Uh he used to play with Cheryl Crow. Uh, I mean, like everybody was, uh, you know, nobody really cared. That's fine because it forced me to dig deep and figure out how to work my way into the system and and basically gave me a bunch more knowledge that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But basically, after doing that, after kind of trying to figure out how to fit into a music scene twice and doing a ton of records and a bunch of tours and teaching and writing. And well, I think I've collected info, little bits of info all along the way that have given me this kind of bucket of information that I'm going to try to pass out in these uh, podcasts. It's not just musical stuff. It's professional, social. It's, it's uh, stuff that, that is hard to even, uh, uh, what, uh, gather together in a body of information. Because, you know, if you can imagine uh, in any career, if you went up to somebody that had been doing it for 30 years or 30 whatever years, a cop or a, you know, a nurse, a tree cutter, like any career you can imagine, if somebody had done it for 30 years and it's your first day, if you walked up to him and said, uh, well, hey, hi there, it's my first day. Do you have any tips? I mean, what would they say after that tips? I got, you know, I got tips for every tip. I, can, I mean, there's so much information. Where do you even start? And uh, Malcolm Gladwell has that great theory about 10,000 hours. He says, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you will be an expert. And if I do the math right, then that would mean I will have had to play drums for about an hour a day for the last 30 plus years. But I don't know if I've done that. I've probably had days when I played more than an hour. So I'm going to go with it. I'm going to claim it. And so here I am with all this information. Uh, I want to pass it out. Where do you even start? There's lots of information and not all the information is even relevant. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, in the 80s, I might have put a cassette tape in a manila envelope, you know, and that's not applicable anymore. So I factored in that. And then I factored in the fact that not everybody has the same path. 
you know, some people uh, are going to come from uh, great situations with lucky breaks early on. And some people are going to have to fight their way to the point where they even have a drum set um, or a bass or a guitar or whatever you happen to play. And so factoring that in. And then the lastly, you know, not everybody has the same goals. And so I want to make it relevant to everyone. I mean, some people would like to play a French horn in the symphony. Some people want to play, you know, play bass in New Orleans. I mean, whatever you want to do, there is a path for that. And so I have to make sure to kind of not go in such a... Uh, uh, Specificity. Yeah. I can't be so specified that I shut people out. So what we're going to do in these podcasts, um, I'm going to break it down into who, what, where, when, how. That's going to be some of the episodes. Just who, like what kind of people do well in the music business? What kind don't? What kind of traits um, do you find uh, helping and hurting you? And, uh, you know, take a look at where you're at and how you might improve yourself uh, based on that. Um, but that's who. And then, like I said, what, where, when, how, all of it. And I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to do some interviews with friends of mine that are successful in different areas of the music business. One of them is an old friend of mine that I've played with for years and done a lot of records with, an amazing songwriter. And and I know a lot of good songwriters. Um, this is one guy that, that I've actually uh, been close enough to kind of see the craft uh, through his eyes. And I want to ask him more questions about that. One of them is an acclaimed bassist here in Nashville, uh, and, uh, just an amazing player, uh, got his roots in Kentucky and now he's playing one of the biggest, uh, country acts in, well, the world. Um, third is an old friend of mine who, uh, is an amazing drummer. He has always inspired me with his dedication and his work ethic and his just his musicality. Um, he's the drummer for Hamilton right now and uh, doing very well, uh, as he should be. But the main thing I want to do with all these interviews is not so much talk about the big deal, you know, like, you know, I'm sure they do lots of interviews where they talk about all their, the successes they've had. But what I want to talk about with all three of these people is what they wish they'd learned earlier, what they're grateful they learned early, what they might change, any kind of advice that would go back to the humble beginnings. Because, uh, you know, successful people have a lot in common. And, uh, and I'd like to hear what their thoughts are on that. Lastly, besides all the stories and um, firsthand frontline accounts, uh, the interviews and all the uh, thoughts I'm going to put together. Um, last thing I want to do is do some listener questions. So I have a website uh, for Murfreesboro Music Lab. It's mumulab.org. You can go there and write a question if you have one, and I will answer all of them uh, privately, but what I want to do is take a few questions, if there's common ones or questions I think are particularly interesting or pertinent, 
I want to do an episode where we just answer questions. And man, that's going to be 10 episodes. So how do I meet players and get work? What do I, how do I break into the scene above me? What's expected? What should I be working on, listening to, thinking about? Um, my father-in-law, uh, Farrell, used to say, too soon old, too late smart. Uh, and it's funny because after as long as I've been doing this, I have all this information that would help me so much now if I were 19. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like I say, I'm in a different phase now. I don't want to go slug it out. I don't want to hustle and, and do all the things that are necessary. I, I enjoy playing music, but I don't enjoy hustling. And as they say in Nashville, you're either being remembered or forgotten. Well, that's fine with me because I'm really grateful for where I am and happy to be here. And uh, so if you're interested in that type of thing, I hope you will check back and listen to all the podcasts of Letters to an Aspiring Musician. Thanks for being here, Ben. Ben helped me a lot because it was hard for me to just sit in a room and talk to myself. So having him here is a great presence to keep me perky and on topic. Thanks so much. Come back again and have a beautiful day. Remember, it'll be fine in the end. If things aren't fine, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to the show. It's part of the Mana 3 Media Network, and our title track, Cool Life, is provided by Loose. Want to submit a question for Steve? Just go to our show notes and click the link moomoolab.org. For more shows on our network, just search your podcast app for Mana 3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three media. And of course, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe, and even tell a friend about us. We shall return next Wednesday.